Bad snap. Bobble oh. scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Good morning, East Lansing. Welcome into the Green and White Report. Another Sunday morning, October 10th, 2021. Luke Sloan here, as always. Henry Menegos and special guest host filling in for Trent this week, our friend Zach Slowick. Zach, welcome to the program. You're, uh, you were a guest on this show last week, but now uh, stepping into the big chair. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I am uh, love being here. Love being in M- Impact. Um, super excited to talk sports with you guys. I want to uh, I want to point out something. I mean, obviously this is a radio show, so no one can see inside the studio. But Zach has a a fantastic gruff Sparty sticker on his laptop, and that's just a. He also offered me some Excedrin this morning because it's allergy season. It's fall. It's brutal. We're just trying to make it. So you're locked and loaded, ready to roll. So it's also Sunday after a big MSU dub. Huge win yesterday for the Spartans. We'll get in that. Get into that in a second here. Henry, how are you doing this morning? Feeling good, boys. Feeling great. The vibes are good. Everybody, we got we have we have football on in the studio. It's halftime now. It's twenty to three. The, uh, the the Falcons are beating the Jets. You already told me, Zach, that your roommates are in a little bit of trouble because uh, they may have took the Jets in, in some for- money line. Did they take Jets money line? They took Jets money line in a 10-team money line parlay. <laughs> wow. Well, hopefully they're not awake yet because <laughs> that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the best start to their Sunday. But we'll get it started here with some uh, some better vibes. Michigan State 31-13 win yesterday over Rutgers. Now bowl eligible at 6-0. Big game across the board for the Spartans. Kenneth Walker the third, 29 carries for 232 yards and a touchdown. Peyton Thorne completed 16-27 passes for 340 yards and three touchdowns. Spartans had four sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss. Kind of a sloppy game, penalties, game management mistakes, clock management mistakes, but they still came out with the the, the big win. And they're bowl eligible at six and zero. Oh. I mean, to be honest, Zach, I think most expectations were that this was a six and six football team. I know when we made season predictions earlier in the year, I said, you know, it's going to be a six and six, five hundred year. Considering they went two and five last year, I would have considered that as a major step forward. You know, a bowl game, compete in every game. You know, a five hundred club, and we're now staring down six and zero. Oh. And, you know, I'll pop it to you real quick first, but I don't think it can be overstated the the job Mel Tucker is doing this season. I mean, I, I feel like we're almost taking it for granted, you know, talking with you after the game yesterday, talking with some other people. It's like, no, oh, you know, we're 6-0, and we're a top 10 team, and it feels like this team hasn't necessarily hit its ceiling yet. I, I don't know. I, someone needs to pinch us because this team doesn't feel, it doesn't feel real. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um I think we are extremely lucky just to be able to be students and be fans of the Spartans right now. Um, They look great. And like you said, they have not hit their ceiling yet. They still have a lot of work to do. Um, But just going from player media day and getting to walk through the end of their practices, those guys work. Um, They all have mandatory lift right after practice. But most of those, like, they're DBs, which is – not the strongest point on their team right now, staying out on the field 30, 40 minutes after practice, and then going to lift. 
um, just to get an extra work with each other. That's a big thing. Um, also, I don't think we lost any Spartan fans in the last three years, but the end of the D'Antonio era, a lot of Spartan fans were very upset um, just because of how high we used to be. And then everybody goes through a rebuild, but we didn't expect it to take as long as it did for us. Um, and we all, like you said, we all assumed it was going to be a six and six, seven and five year at best. And now the expectation is win nine or 10 games. I mean, it is, it's, I, I just want to double check. It's Sunday, October 10th. So we're, we're, you know, we're halfway through the year, obviously six and zero. Oh, it's going to be a top 10 team. I mean, number 10 BYU fell Michigan state sitting at number 11 in the AP top 25, a little bit of shuffling as well. Michigan was, Michigan came in at number nine. They probably are in line to move up maybe a spot or two after their win at Rutgers. But I want to talk about kind of the game a little bit more. Nine penalties against the Scarlet Knights, you know, some some game management, some clock management issues. You know, the end of the first half was kind of a disaster. You know, they didn't use the, the timeout they had left in their pocket. They were running around. Uh, Peyton Thorne, the, the clock was ticking, and he, and he threw the ball out of the back of the end zone. I thought the half was over at that point when he threw the ball out of the back of the end zone, but... They determined that there was one second left on the clock, and then Greg Schiano goes timeout, timeout, fake timeout. Matt Coughlin misses the field goal. Just a disastrous end of the first half, and at that point, it was a one-score game. There was some momentum in Rutgers' favor after that. I mean, Greg Schiano, who you know, give him credit, he's electric. He's headbutting the players on the sideline and stuff. He was streaming into the locker room. I was not feeling great at that po- at that point, but. The Spartans really just out-talented Rutgers, which is what the best teams do. I mean, when they needed big plays, Kenneth Walker, Jalen Naylor, the defense, they came up with big plays. It was not a, it was not a pretty victory. There are plenty of things this team can improve on, but I'm impressed, Zach, because the best teams, even when they're not all, with a little off their game, maybe some coaching mistakes, penalties, the best teams can just out-talent that opponent across the way, and the Spartans, I think, did that yesterday. Absolutely. Last week we talked about it when I was on about after the Western Kentucky game. It was two weeks in a row. Michigan State looked like a, a first-half team. And we were talking, you don't win games when you're a first-half team. You get leads and then you blow them. Look at Texas. They're a first-half team. Um, but this week was the first time. Other, we, It was a shaky first half, no question. But they still played good football. They still went in a half with the lead. Naylor had over 200 receiving yards in the first half. <laughs> Thorn threw for 250 plus in the first half. Like they looked good in the first half, but then they closed out in the second. And it was Kenneth Walker this week who just turned on. And honestly, watching the game or listening to the game, it sounded like Kenneth Walker was having a slow first half. And then you look at his stat line, he has 17 carries for 85 yards, and you're like, oh, he's not having a slow one. You bring up a good point as well. The Spartans pitched a second-half shutout. No points in either of the final two quarters as they won 31-13. Once again, Luke Sloan, Zach Slowick recapping the game. If you have any thoughts, the phone number, as always, is 517-884-8989. You can text us in with your thoughts at that number. You can also tweet the show using the hashtag GWReport. Check Check it out. Tap in. Give us your thoughts on yesterday's win. Zach, I want to bring up another point here as we kind of cruise along starting the show with Michigan State football. I know you and I caught up uh, maybe at one Henry Menegos' place of living after the game yesterday, maybe out in the yard, perhaps. But we were talking about Kenneth Walker III and his Heisman candidacy at this point. You know, you brought this point up is quite legit. 
I mean, like we said, 29 carries for 232 yards and a touchdown yesterday. Averaged eight yards per carry against the Scarlet Knights. He's going to pass 1,000 yards rushing probably against Indiana this upcoming week. He's at 919 right now through six games. Kenneth Walker III, the best running back in America. And I think it's time to say, I mean, you saw it on Twitter. I mean, the Michigan State coaches, the Michigan State social media accounts are starting to start are starting to start. They are starting the campaign for Kenneth Walker the third for Heisman, and I think it's time. Absolutely. I said it week one when the first time I ever watched, I was able I was lucky enough to be able to go to Northwestern and watch him. And obviously that huge first play, but then that whole game, he just he is the most exciting running back. I have ever seen in my life live. Like I'm not to, obviously Reggie, Reggie Bush highlights. You have guys like that. You have Walter Payton highlights, Barry Sander highlights. But from just those highlights, he I, I'm not comparing him to Barry in any way. But he runs like Barry. He cuts like Barry. Um, the only difference is he's bigger, and he he's stronger. He he he'll drop that shoulder. He's not just the cuts and the jukes. But I legitimately think he is the best running back possibly the best player in the country right now on the offensive side of the ball. It's it's really interesting kind of breaking down what he's doing this year and a lot of his runs. He doesn't necessarily run between the tackles. He can. He has the size to run between the tackles. He's got the speed. He's got the vision. But it seems like it seems like his best runs this year showcase his speed because Michigan State's receivers have really, really blocked well on the outside of the field. I've been really impressed with how their tight ends have blocked on the outside. You know, Connor Hayward had a nice game in that department yesterday. But it seems like he'll he'll get that kind of quote unquote first read between the tackles and he'll immediately when he when he bounces it outside, it's gonna be a seven, eight yard chunk play. I mean, like we said, he averaged eight yards a carry yesterday. But that just shows you the versatility of him. And you know, I'm interested in your thoughts on this sack. You know, you think of Flavion Bell, Jeremy Langford, L.J. Scott, this great line of Michigan State running backs in the Mark D'Antonio era. Where do you think, personally, Kenneth Walker at this point stacks up with those guys? I know they have a, a larger sample size than, than K-9, which, you know, K-9 is probably headed toward just one season in the green and white, but you know, a one-season wonder. But where does he stack up uh, with the other greats in, in recent memory? I'm a huge Le'Veon fan. I'm always going to be a huge Le'Veon fan. Um, he w- he was the first running back where I was to the age where I could really appreciate like how good he was. Um, and I think Kenneth Walker's as a running back is better than all all three of them um, that I've seen. He's the best Michigan State running back I've seen in my life in the green and white. Um, as an athlete, I think Le'Veon's phenomenal. He has way more of the receiving upside. Um, he has way more of the cutting. Obviously, um, L.J. Scott was the—he was the last running back to run for over a thousand, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the uh, the 2015 season, I believe, the college football I think, playoff. I think year. he ran for like 1,300 that year. Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> we're gonna have one this year, so. Yeah, and just through six weeks, he's 81 yards away, um, and. I think it just shows how good he is. Even everybody wants to talk about how good uh, Blake Corman is from Michigan, and then we're talking all all they want being you know just normal fans like 
obviously we do the same thing, but saying how Kenneth Walker isn't anything because he couldn't run against Northwestern. Well, neither could Blake Corman. They have a great run defense. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Hassan Haskins or Blake Corman. You know, they're they're a very good tandem. You know, like you said, you know, they they kind of split carries, but individually, you know, Corman is kind of the lead back. But individually, I don't think either one of them stack up to even close to where Kenneth Walker the third is at this point. You know, I want to talk about another guy as well, and this is something you brought up to me yesterday when we were hanging out after the game. You were here in studio for that game. Zach Sardenic and Nathan Stearns on the call for WDBM. Jalen Naylor, a big game, five catches for 221 yards and three touchdowns, all of which came in the first half and were just extremely explosive plays. Uh, You know, we caught up after the game. And you mentioned the fact that that Rutgers really, you know, bracketed Jaden Reed. They brought over extra guys. He only had one catch for four yards. But Jalen Naylor proved, you know, they Rutgers' game plan, they had Trey Avery on Jalen Naylor, their best corner. They put their second best corner on Jaden Reed, but they bracketed over there. So it was their best guy against Jalen Naylor. And Jalen Naylor won those matchups, you know, proving to your point, you know, you can't double cover one of those guys because the other one's going to make him pay yeah at wide receiver and Naylor obviously had a a slower start this year and everyone was kind of wondering what was going on and then he had a a pretty good week against Miami with 84 yards um, and a couple touchdowns so we were like oh okay he's still that guy too and then Nebraska came and that offense just looked bad we were lucky to get out of there with a win Um, and he had zero receptions for zero yards on one target and after at the post game presser, he said that he talked to Peyton Thorne, and he was like, "We," he was like, "I just need to figure out where he wants me to be and what he wants me to do." He's like, "Now that we figured that out, we're good." But yeah, you saw it's it's kind of like the Tyree Kill thing. You can't put your best corner on him and not have a safety over top and play man on him because he will run straight past you, and that is exactly what Jalen Naylor did all day yesterday. You know, I I couldn't help but think, well, you know, watching Naylor's game, you know, he's got good size. He's got good speed. This is a guy who could be playing on Sundays in the future. I don't know if he's a like a top three rounds pick at this point. The rest of the year, I guess we'll determine that. But his his speed is elite, and he, he does not drop the football. Jaden Reed does not drop the football. I mean, it's time to start talking about not just Kenneth Walker the third and, and Jalen Naylor and guys like Reed their their contributions to this Spartan team. But it, after a year when the Spartans didn't really didn't get anybody drafted. I think that this team is going to send a few players to the NFL, which, you know, talking about Kenneth Walker III, transfers in from Wake Forest, wants more carries. Mel Tucker gives him more carries, and all of a sudden he develops into a Heisman candidate, a guy who's going to be picked into the NFL. That is a fantastic recruiting pitch for Michigan State, especially in the transfer portal. Hey, if you're underloved, underappreciated in another college football environment, you can come to Michigan State, get carries, spend a year here, and go to the league, go on to do big things, and win some football games. I feel great about the momentum of the program right now and and where things are going. I couldn't agree more. I think think that, like you said, that's obviously a great way to get people here. At the same time, we have to acknowledge the fact and appreciate the fact as fans and as students at Michigan State, <laughs> Kenneth Walker is a freak. He's a, he's a, he's an unbelievable <laughs> player. The Heisman chances are completely legit. 517-884-8989. Texas in with your thoughts. 
talking a whole range of topics about Michigan State, moving to bowl eligibility at 6-0 and after yesterday's win. Talk about the job Mel Tucker's done. Kenneth Walker, how legit are his Heisman chances at this point, and where does he stack up with other Michigan State running backs of recent memory? All those topics are on the table. You can text in using that number, or you can tweet the show using the hashtag GWReport. On the other side of the break, we'll be joined by Michigan State football reporter Liam Jackson here for WDBM. Talk a little bit more Spartans at the bottom of the hour, some college football with Henry Menegos. But for now, you're listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. Welcome back to the Green and White Report on WDBM. We'll be joined by Liam Jackson here a little bit later in the show. For now, we'll get to a little bit of college football. It was a big college football Saturday. We had the pleasure of taking in a number of fantastic games. Henry Menegos here is going to tap in with the college football rush. College football rush, man. We're skipping ahead in the dock. We're, we're, we're adjusting we're on the fly. Liam, yeah, I love it. Liam Jackson will be joining us later in the program. It's okay. I, I love it. I love the... Uh, we're adjusting you know. on the fly. Let's, get, let's do it. All right, rush question number one. Number seven, Ohio State now has back-to-back big victories in conference after beating Maryland 66-17 to on Saturday. Are the Buckeyes a legit threat again? I would say yes. Once they figure out that quarterback play, and it looks like they might just have, the Buckeyes are going to be extremely good with that defense and that explosive offense. I think it was 407 and five touchdowns yesterday for C.J. Stroud. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit uh, before the show started. The, the the Rutgers schedule. I mean, they they Ohio State defeated Rutgers last week. Rutgers going Michigan, Ohio State, and then Michigan State in three weeks in a row is pretty tough. That's about as tough as it gets. But speaking about the Buckeyes, their defense is getting shored up slowly but surely. I know it's Rutgers and, and Maryland, and there will be bigger tests in the future. But that and they're probably gaining some confidence on that side of the ball. Offense seems to be clicking. C.J. Stroud is healthy. I think until the Buckeyes are dethroned from being the, the the Big Ten East champions pretty much every year. You have to just assume that that's going to be them again this year. Rush question number five. Cincinnati kept rolling on Saturday with the 52-3 to win over Temple. Are they a serious college football playoff contender? I am all in on the Bearcats to make the college football playoff. We'll see if they if they sneak in to that number four spot, potentially with number four Penn State losing to number three Iowa last night at Kinnick. I am all on the Bearcats bandwagon. Luke Fickle, future Lions quarterback Desmond Ritter, former Michigan State uh, defensive coordinator uh, Mike Tressel down there now taking over for the Bearcats on the defensive side of the play calling. They, they're, they're rolling right now. They've, they've got some nice wins over Indiana and Notre Dame. The resume is there. They'll most likely be the champs of the American. I'm all in on the, the college football playoff chances for Cincinnati. I just do not see them losing for the rest of the year. What, just looking at their schedule. Yeah, I was going to say, let's break it down. So they got, uh, let's see, they played on Friday this week, but then next week they are home against UCF. Win. Away against a 1-5 and five Navy team. Wow, Navy struggling. Another win. Yeah. Uh, away against Tulane. Another win. Roll wave, though. Ho- Roll wave. Home against Tulsa. That that'll be a, that'll be a decent test. Tulsa's got a pretty good team, I, and then they got they're in South Florida versus South Florida. I think that one's going to be a big no one. SMU the rest of the way. Wow, no, November twentieth we got SMU at home. 
Wow, that's going to be a fantastic game. Tanner Mordecai, Grant Calcaterra, the the the, the Oklahoma transfers are really putting in some work on SMU. This that that should be a great game. That's going to be, and then they got East Carolina close out the year. So I think they have one game that's going to give them any trouble, and I think the rest they're going to walk through. So we're both all in on them for the uh, college football playoff. I wish it was more than four teams because then yeah, they deserve it. Because if there's not a Big Ten team in there, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> Russ, question number two. Georgia passed a road test on Saturday with a 34-10 win at number 18, Auburn. With Alabama's loss, are the Bulldogs now the favorites to win the SEC? I don't I don't want to be this guy, but until Alabama proves us wrong, I'm always going to give Alabama the benefit of the doubt. I know they lost to Texas A&M yesterday. A fantastic game. Jimbo Fisher beating his former protege in the Saban coaching tree. You know, I give Jimbo Fisher a lot of credit for that win. We were joking around a little bit yesterday before the game saying that, oh, you know, Texas A&M is the Penn State of the SEC. They never win when it matters. Oh, Penn State didn't win when it mattered last night. But until until they prove us wrong, I'm, I have some questions about the Bulldogs at quarterback. I don't know about Stenson Bennett. I don't know if he has what it takes to win the big game against someone like Alabama. So I'm out on that until Alabama proves us wrong. I don't think it matters who their quarterback is. That defense is amazing. I know. that is Something has to be said about that. The numbers they're putting up this year and some of the players they have on that side of the ball are simply stunning. I I, I think right now, if they played anybody in the Big Ten, including Ohio State, including Iowa, including Michigan State, they'd beat them by 30. I, I 100% agree. Their defense is just scary. I just don't. I, I just don't think anybody, including Alabama, like Ohio State, might have the best chance to move the ball on them. If CJ Stroud's really chucking it, their their run, de- <laughs> Georgia's run defense in particular too, is yeah. just nasty. Which just in almost every quarterback they're going to face for the rest of the year is going to be a mobile quarterback. You're not really seeing too many pocket passing quarterbacks in the SEC in the remainder of their schedule. Um, they're good. I I think they're number one right now. They're obviously going to be number one in the AP poll that comes out later today. Um, I think they absolutely deserve that. Now, I'm interested to see where they put Alabama on that list. Um, but as of right now, I think Georgia is the best team in the country, and it, it's their right to get that taken away from them. So we'll see how they play for the rest of the year. I couldn't agree more. They're going to they're gonna be in that top spot. Rush question, number three, Iowa defeated number four, Penn State, 23-20 to on Saturday at Kinnick. How confident are, the, are we that the Hawkeyes will be playing the Big Ten title game? 100% confidence that we'll see Iowa in Indianapolis the beginning of December playing most likely Ohio State, in my opinion, but we'll, we'll save that for later. Wisconsin is no threat this year in the Big Ten West. Graham Mertz is terrible. Their offensive line is painfully average compared to what it usually is. Their running game is painfully average compared to what it usually is. Their defense is pretty nice in Madison. They have some nice pieces on that side, some nice linebackers. I really am a big fan of, of their scheme. But it it it's, it is it is I think it's Iowa in the world in the Big Ten West. Northwestern will be no threat. Purdue will be no threat. Illinois, they're, I think they're going to roll undefeated into the Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. Yeah, the Big Ten West is terrible. Like I, they need to find a way to switch up the conferences. I know you don't want guys. Really, it's not that far. If if guys from Rutgers and Maryland can come to Michigan, it's like an extra thirty minutes on the flight to get to Madison just right across over the lake. So I, I just don't see how you can have one team that can barely even play football on the West and then one good team 
and then just a bunch of like average teams. And then debatably, obviously, four of the five best programs are all in the East. So then it just is like, all right, let's see. And Minnesota's not good like everyone thought they were going to be. They had the one year with P.J. Fleck, and then they disappeared. And then Wisconsin's terrible. Graham Mertz, they picked the wrong quarterback. They should have stuck with Jack Cohn. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, Wisconsin looks bad. I thought they were going to give Michigan a game, and then first first two drives, I was like, Wisconsin's bad. They had had less yards after the first quarter than they did when they started the game. There's only one way to shore up the Big Ten West, and that's add Notre Dame. If you're listening out there, Irish, I know you like the TV money with NBC. Join the Big Ten West. Man up. Do it. Rush question, number 16, Kentucky defeated LSU 42-21 to on Saturday in Lexington. Could that have been the final straw for head coach, for head coach Ed Orgeron? We'll keep it short with this one. I think Ed Orgeron's a dead man. The LSU is 3-3 three and three this season. The LSU lost to Kentucky. Um, you don't lose to Kentucky at LSU. I don't care that, that, that Mark Stoops and, and Kentucky are having a nice year. I really like their team. Will Levis, former Penn State quarterback, transferred in there. He's done a great job this year. But I, I don't I don't care about any of that. If you're at LSU, you have to beat the Kentuckys of the world. I think the pressure is on down there. They have no quarterback at LSU. Ed Orgeron, I, even though even though the, the national title was magical in 2019, I'm starting to think more and more by the day, by the game, by the week that that was Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, and not Ed Orgeron. I think he's I think he's gone. I think they give Coach Oda the rest of the year um, to figure out just what's going on there and tell him pretty much if you don't have at least a seven and five year, you're out of here. Um, if if he if he can't have a winning season, he's like, yeah, because if not, look at that. Uh, all those guys on that LSU offense are in the NFL. Yeah, there's four of them that are starting to, today. So it, there's it, there's really see. there's really no excuse with the resources that they have. So the rest of the year, LSU is going to be one of those teams to keep your eye on. Rush question, despite the 41-38 loss to Alabama on Saturday, that not, that's not worded right, but are the Crimson Tide still your favorites? I, I think they're still my title favorite. I know that Georgia's going to slot into that number one spot after this week, deservedly so. Alabama, I'm sure, will not slide down too far, probably to the number two spot, but they're still my title favorites. Their defense is, is up there with Georgia, not as good as Georgia's in my opinion. I'm still a Bryce Young guy. Hostile road environment yesterday in College Station, so I can understand why. We've seen one loss Alabama teams go on to win national championships. They could run the table, beat Georgia, probably who's going to represent the SEC East in the SEC title game, and I could totally see it happening. To me, until they're dethroned with the talent that they have and and Nick Saban, I I know this is once again a boring take, but I'm going to roll with them. No pun intended. Yeah, in my eyes, it's Georgia and Alabama. Like twenty steps below everybody else. No, not, I, no Iowa in there for you. Nobody from the Big Ten. No. Clemson, we're out on I them. Did, wow, how, how the how how the muddy have fallen with Clemson? I'm out on Clemson. I think Ohio State is probably the closest one to them, but even they're way down there. We thought Oregon was going to be good. They're not. They just beat Ohio State, so they're nowhere even. I near. wanted Oregon to be good so bad. So, so I, I wanted a pack. We haven't seen a Pac-12 represent represented in the the college football playoffs since Oregon went to the inaugural one in 15. It uh, has been... I think is Washington there, made one. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. I think it was 2017 when Washington went and yeah. got destroyed by, I think, Clemson. That, that is Bama. true. Chris Peterson, thank you. Rush question, number nine, Michigan beat Nebraska 32-29 to on Saturday. How crucial is that loss for Cornhuskers head coach Scott Frost? 
You know, this is another one that you and I were talking about a little bit before the show, Zach. You know, they mentioned it on the broadcast yesterday, Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge on ESPN, that this is this would be a program-changing win if the Cornhuskers were to get that win over Michigan at home, night game, prime time, number nine Michigan, and they did not win. I know that they've been competitive in, in recent games. They were competitive here in East Lansing before they fell. They were competitive against Michigan before they fell. But at the end of the day, the the expectations are high at a place like Nebraska. I know they haven't been good in recent years, but the money is there. the The program has history, and there are big donors that probably aren't happy with the three and four record so far through seven games, especially losing to Illinois. I think Scott Frost, kind of like Ed Ogeron, is going to have to really pick it up toward the end of the year if he wants to save his job. Now, this one I do agree with you. I think, I think he's on more of a hot seat than Coach O, just because. At the end of the day, Coach O just brought him a national championship less than three years ago. So at the end of the day, I think Coach O's more safe than Scott Frost is right now. I do think Scott Frost, even though he's a psychopath on the field, he's always sprinting around and he doing looks, crazy stuff. He's got a crazy look on his he's got a he looks like he wants to hit somebody. In. He looks like he wants to hit somebody all the time, which is pretty cool, honestly. It's what kind a, of electric as a fan. What a contrast during yesterday's game. You have Jim Harbaugh on one side who... The most boring person ever. He, Jim Harbaugh <laughs> is an interesting cat, to quote Joe Dandron. Always saying cat. He's just he's just a very strange... He's just strange. He's just kind of got a weird buzz about him. You, you know, you see the post-game or the pre-game tweets and stuff about him, like, hitting his players on the pads and stuff. Just a, and then you, on the other side, you have Scott Frost, who looks like he's going to go, you know, be a WWE wrestler after he gets fired by Nebraska this year. So I don't, I don't really know. A big contrast, but Scott Frost, I think we're both out on him. Yeah, I, I think he's probably done with all the resources they have at Nebraska. He just needs to be able to win football games. That's just not something he's been able to do in the recent history. Five one seven eight eight four eight nine eight nine. Continue to text in with your thoughts on Michigan State football. We'll do a little bit more Spartans on the next segment. Continuing to talk Spartans here this morning on the Green and White Report. Luke Sloan along with Zach Slowick filling in for Trent this week. Once again, recapping Michigan State's big 31-13 win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights to move to bowl eligibility at 6-0. We'll just pop back and forth with a couple more storylines from the game last night. Once again, you can text in or tweet us with the hashtag GWReport or if you're interested in getting involved with the show on all your Michigan State Spartans opinions. Once again, talking a little bit about Kenneth Walker III and his Heisman chances, Zach. Six, through six games, over 900 yards rushing, double-digit touchdowns already. I mean, he had 13 touchdowns last year at Wake Forest, so I think Spartan fans had an idea that he was going to be a threat, but I think we envisioned him to be in a platoon. But the Heisman chances, if he's not sent to New York at this point, I mean, that has to be the expectation. East Lansing will burn. East, East Lansing, Lansing will burn. East Lansing will burn for if two things. If he wins the Heisman, East Lansing will burn, respectively. If he doesn't even get top five, houses will be burned down. People will riot here. Um there's there would be big issues if he is not in that conversation. Now, if he doesn't, if he dies off in the back half of the season, un, more understandable. But if he continues this play, he is the outright Heisman Trophy winner because the guys who they thought were going to be front runners just aren't doing it right now. Um, Spencer Rattler got pulled in the first half yesterday, so I just don't think there's anybody. 
There's definitely not a running back. And I don't think there's a quarterback who's more important to their team and more explosive than Kenneth Walker is right now. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, once again, talking with Liam yesterday after the game about like his Heisman moment. Like, will there be a time like we the last week of the year against Penn State when he strikes a Heisman pose after scoring a touchdown if it's an upset win? Zach, you have an you have an interesting question next as we go back and forth here about Spartan football. Yeah, absolutely. So I gave this one to Liam yesterday, too. So I'll give his take on it. And it's just is Kenneth Walker a top three running back? And if so, where do you think he falls on that wrist? Or if not, where do you think he falls on that list for best running back in the country? Looking right now at the 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 rushing leaders. In college football, you have Kenneth Walker III leading the list with 912 yards. And then you have Sean Tucker from Syracuse, 791 yards. Bijan Robinson from Texas, he's got 789 yards. Then you have Mateo Durant from Duke. Kenneth Walker has to top that list for me. We'll see about draft stock. I I don't want to read into that too much at this point. It's a young season. I'm focused on the now We'll we have plenty of NFL mock drafts to come later in the year. So we'll in terms of NFL talent, we'll 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 keep that aside. But in terms of the right here and right now in college football, he's number one on my list. The all you talk about the all around skill set that he has, the vision, the speed. You know, if his first read is is tough, he can go cut and cut up field and make a good read. Burst on the outside, good size. In terms of skill set, in terms of numbers. He's got a lot in his toolbox, and he he, he comes number. I know I don't want this to be a homer take, but for me, he comes number one on the list. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. Um, Liam Liam said he was top three. He he had to watch last week um, or the rest of the games yesterday, and he was like, "Then I'll give you my final answer." <laughs> and after after we watched the Texas game, and he was like, "Yeah, the only one who I could even see anybody uh, arguing is Bijan," and I mean. He's a great running back. He's a great running back, but and that offense is not as explosive as Michigan State, and the Big Twelve is not as good as the Big Ten, and he does not. He's not putting up the numbers that Kenneth Walker's playing. I know he's got. They run a little bit more of a committee there, um, but it, Kenneth Walker is not the only one who gets carries here. Peyton I, Thorne runs the ball, who you're, we're about to talk about yeah. in a second, um, which is nice having a quarterback that can move. It's kind of awesome, and then like we have. So many other running backs. I mean, Collins before he got hurt, Joyner. Um, it's really Simmons, a shame. Yeah. It's really such a shame about Elijah Collins this season. I legitimately think that he was headed toward being that true running back number two, getting not obviously not as many carries as Kenneth Walker the third, but more of a mix, mixing him in maybe on third down a little bit. I like him in pass protection a lot. It's it, it's really a shame, but. On the other end, I mean, if Kenneth Walker does to party slancing after this year, and there's more of a there's another running back competition, he could stick around for that and be in the mix because he he's already proven to be loyal to this program after not trans- transferring out after last season losing carries, but it wasn't his fault he had COVID nineteen. I want to talk about Peyton Thorne for a second as well as Zach and I go back and forth. Sixteen of twenty seven for three hundred and forty yards and three touchdowns yesterday. Almost the unsung, the unsung hero of this Michigan State team. Quarterback was a big-time position of uncertainty entering the season. Was it going to be Anthony Russo? Was it going to be Peyton Thorne? It, it was uncertain. People didn't know who it was going to be, and they didn't know how effective that option was going to be at quarterback. All of a sudden, Peyton Thorne comes in, and you almost forget that there was a quarterback battle in East Lansing over the summer. Oh, it's you, you would have thought he's been starting the last two years. Um 
so coming in, we he obviously had that connection with uh, Jaden Reed, and we knew that those two played together and they're best friends and they live together and all that stuff. So early on in the season, we just saw him looking his way immediately. One, the guy can fly, so he knows he's going to be open. And two, Thorne has the arm strength to get it there. But now that you can see, like, Wake Forest almost, he got more comfortable. And then he started looking. He was like, all right, where can I go? And everybody got a healthy feeding that week. I mean, we had Naylor over 100, Reed over 100, Walker over 100. Everybody, like, that's where it comes in. Like, like Michigan State, when you talk about our offense, you say we have a three-headed monster. And it, it is true. I mean, it, Kenneth Walker is our guy. He is the MVP of this team. He's amazing. Um, right behind him, though, is Jaden Reed. And then the third head, like, do we have a four-headed monster? Is it Peyton Thorne and Naylor? Is it just one? Is it the other? I, I couldn't tell you who it is. Uh, like, I wrote the piece yesterday about our offensive big three, and Peyton Thorne isn't in it, and he probably should be. He drops passes in tight zones. He throws a nice ball. A nice ball. And he throws balls that only can be caught by his guys. If they're not caught by his guys, they're not getting picked off. First off, the interception yesterday wasn't a real interception. So now he's at 15 15 touchdowns and technically two interceptions, but it should be one. Um, He's an elite quarterback. I was talking to Liam yesterday, and he thinks he's a top 10 quarterback in the country right now, and I think I might agree with that. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Peyton Thorne, currently 23rd in college football with about 1,500 passing yards. Looking at touchdowns as well, he ranks a little bit higher in that category, coming in at 11th in college football with 14 touchdowns, and his two interceptions are bottom five amongst starting quarterbacks in college football. No one talks about Kenneth Wa- or Peyton Thorne's Heisman chances. I don't think it's going to happen. There's a lot of co- good quarterbacks, yeah. good skill position players in front of them. But it's it's not it's what, next it's, year. Yeah, it's not the like the most scant possibility. We'll just say that. No, not at all. All right. So with, as we were talked about earlier, uh, Jaden Reed being covered double covered for most of that game yesterday. How was how big of it was for the Spartans that Jalen Neighbor was able to have a huge game, having five receptions for 221 yards. I'm a big Naylor guy, and I always have been. And in his freshman and sophomore year at Michigan State, he had some injuries, couldn't stay on the field. He had Rocky Lombardi last year, Brian Lewerke, and his, his hurt shoulder the year before that. He never had a consistent presence under center. He was never consistently on the field in both those years. He had a big offseason, gained a lot of strength, got a lot bigger, still kept that size. And his, his body looked better. I think his his mind was in a better place because of the quarterback who's under center now. He's, he's a big part of this Michigan State team. And, and seeing him run around on the field yesterday, you can't help but think this is a guy who could be playing on Sundays. Speed kills, and he's got it. And so, obviously, he they'll talk about You'll hear the announcers talking about it all the time. But he, the guy can fly. He used to be like, I'm pretty sure he's a state championship. Has track a tra- runner. Track, yeah. He can, 100%. He's so fast. It almost seems from watching him like the last two years, and like you said, it could be because he's more confident in Thorne's arm strength and getting him the ball there, but it seems like he got faster with pads on. I think a million percent. It's it's interesting. You think of track runners going to football. Anthony Schwartz was at Auburn last year, a world-class track runner. He's 4 two forty. He He's kind of another example of a guy cut out. He got drafted in the fourth round by the Cleveland Browns. So if you want a kind of a comparable to what Naylor could be, that could be a guy like that. Another one for you, Zach. Four sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss for Michigan State's front seven yesterday. Is it the most underrated unit on the team? Absolutely. That 
the defensive line for Michigan State and our surprising little rotation at linebacker, whatever is going on that Mel's doing, it works. Um, we don't talk about it at all. Um, when we talk about our defense, we normally go to our two all Big Ten safeties that we have. And, and you know, I'll throw Darius Snow in there as well. He is the team with nine lighting tackles. it up. He is lightened up. We didn't see much of Michael Dowell yesterday. It's he. he you and know, I think Snow might be taking over at that nickel, the outside linebacker, extra free safety, whatever you want to call it, a hawk. But Big Ten Network put this on the broadcast, and it was true. He Darius Snow got the start over Michael Dowell this yesterday. Is, this is the third time that he's gotten it. Both both players are nice pieces, and in as, as college football changes, you're going to need a lot of DBs, a lot of DBs who are going to play in the slot. Darius Snow was a safety. Moves to nickel. Now there's going to be a hole at safety next year when Xavier Henderson goes to the league. It's interesting if they kind of do what they did with Angelo Gross, move Angelo Gross from the slot to safety next year. Well, he, but at this point, Snow has been fantastic, and he got dra- or he got he recruited here as a corner, so he was yeah. a corner in high school. He can play anywhere in the secondary, and we even see him not inside, but we see him walking up and playing outside linebacker and run defense because he knows how to tackle. He he's tough. He's strong. He's got speed. He's kind of an all around guy. But talking about that D-line a little bit, just so many names. Deshaun Mallory, Simeon Barrow, Maverick Hansen, Drew Jordan, Drew Beasley's going to come back for Michigan. You have a guy like Jacob Panashuk. They're deep, they're talented, and they rotate a lot of guys in. Yeah, absolutely. That that defense is really rolling, um, and they're looking good. And we'll get uh, the last question, and then we'll take our little break here. Have you ever been so excited and happy to be a Michigan State fan and be able to watch Michigan State football? Considering the last three years of of what we went through on campus, my freshman year, 2018 team, they went six and seven Red Box Bowl loss. 2019, they went seven and six Pinstripe Bowl victory over Rat Bleep Wake Forest with Kenneth Walker on the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a big one. And then last year, two and five, they did beat Michigan, but this by far. In my time at Michigan State, it's it's this is the most buzz around the team. It's a top ten club. Michigan and Michigan State are both trending toward being undefeated for Halloween weekend. The Spartans have a date with Indiana next week before the bye. Bye for the Wolverines and then Northwestern at home, who is terrible. I think it's gonna be a pair of undefeated football teams for Halloween weekend. There's never been more buzz. I I can't agree. I've I've only felt this much happiness in my life, but it was for a short period of time, and that was with the trouble with the snap. But I've never been so excited for a full six weeks of football. There it is. is I I was I had the pleasure of being at that game. Unbelievable. Never have I been a part of a more quiet, large group. One hundred ten thousand people silent, except for about two thousand Spartan fans down in the corner of one end zone. But. On the other side here on the Green and White Report, we will be joined live in studio by WDBM's very own hockey beat reporter, Cam McLaren, right here on the Green and White Report. We are pleased to be joined in studio here on the Green and White Report. Zach is, is dancing in the studio right now because we are happy to be joined by our very own WDBM hockey reporter, Cam McLaren. This is the first hockey segment we've had on the Green and White Report so far this year. Cam was there at Munn yesterday. Spartans caught a victory yesterday. How was the, uh, you know, first, before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts and some more formal questions, you've had, you had the chance to be in Munn yesterday. Hockey is back. The team is back. Fans are back. The Munsters, the band, everybody. How was the atmosphere yesterday, yesterday Cam, and how are you doing? 
Uh, I'm actually doing pretty well. Uh, kind of weird to wake up on a Sunday morning at like 8.30 for me trying to get ready for this show. I had to go get my my uh, pre-show Dunkin' Donuts, you know. I love it. But um, yeah. Dunkin' Coffee of... is superior to Tim Hortons? Oh, oh geez. That's going to be a hot take. One. We'll see. I hot have yet, takes? I have yet to try the Tim Hortons because I think the closest one to like me is in Bath. So oh. I got to go. I got to go and do that. Or no, it's in DeWitt. So. There used to be one on the corner of Trowbridge and Harrison right over here by the station. And I would go there every single day if I was coming in here. But it unfortunately closed before the pandemic. So nevertheless, though, getting back to what we were saying, how was Mun yesterday night? Very good. Uh, there were a lot of empty seats, I will say that, but you couldn't really tell because there was just the the atmosphere was electric. Uh, the band was super loud. Ryan got a headache just sitting next to me. He was not having a very fun time. Oh, he was no. like he was telling the band to kind of quiet down a little bit. Um, the monsters back in action, like every um, every Michigan State su- student section finding those little hot topics to get under the skin of opposing netminders. Uh, always a treat to see what they come up with. Little especially Instagram that. check. Yeah, uh, Stacy. Um, sorry to Alex Schilling's mom who was brought into the fray last night. Oh, so no. she got brought up on Friday too. Yeah. The monsters were chanting it at her. And then the that's pe- a low blow. The DJ. I don't know who it is, but they deserve a pay raise. They're playing Stacy's mom. They were doing like it was. They did not. Wow. It was somebody got word to him on Friday because that's electric. I did not hear any Stacy's mom on Friday. Any any song that had Stacy in it, he was playing. It was um, wow. it was amazing. It this was is it was an, so funny. FSU needs to pay this guy more. This yeah. is an unbelievable development. Pay raise. I, I'm I'm calling it right now. The, whoever the arena DJ is, pay raise. Wow. I will give them five dollars. I don't care. Like they they deserve it. We'll we'll get into some more nuts and bolts here now with once again joined by Cam McLaren, WDBM hockey beats reporter. So split with Air Force this weekend. Kind of keeping it big picture, you, you know, you can talk a little bit first about your 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 big takeaways from the weekend split and kind of realistically going forward how this impacts the Spartans this year. Well, it's a pretty it's still a really stacked Big Ten conference that they're going to be playing in. Um, they're ranked uh, coming in. They were preseason ranked sixth only ahead of Ohio State. But in terms of like I know on here we have realistic win totals and kind of what we see, but after last night, the response that this team had from Friday night's heartbreaking overtime loss, that's what Danton called it, that had pretty much called it. It was a one-shot hockey game and just a few miscues, and they seemed it was a night and day difference for this team last night. It, it showed up on the score sheet. Five to one, it was a closer game in that second period than a lot of people thought it would be. But, you know, the Spartans showed poise, which is not something that they didn't do a lot of last year. There were a lot of times where, you know, they would go into game, they would go into third periods down. They did not win at all when they were going down uh, or when they were losing heading into the second period. They were 0-13. And after the uh, the previous year in 2019 to 2020, they were, I think they had like eight come from behind victories. So this team being able to nurse that lead and then get a few more on the score sheet. But there were there were a couple of uh, close opportunities that Air Force did have to kind of claw their way back into the game. And we'll, we'll touch on it in a little bit. But looking at this team, like looking at the schedule, non-conference, they play Ferris a couple of times. They'll play the GLI against Western and Michigan Tech. Western, I don't know too much about, but Michigan Tech is setting themselves up to be a very good team this year. They've they hung, I think. Five goals yesterday on Wisconsin, who is who um, is preseason ranked 13th in the nation. So Michigan Tech is a, v- a very good team right now. Yeah, I think Ferris is setting up to have a pretty good year too. They have a lot of guys coming back. 
Um, a lot of second and third year guys, so they're going to be young this year, but on the, the older side of young. So a lot of sophomores, a lot of juniors. So next year they're just going to be loaded. But this year I think they're setting themselves up. I think the Spartans might struggle with Ferris a little bit. How about you? Well, probably because they're in that new CCHA. The CCHA is revived after going defunct in uh, 2007 or 2008, I believe. But that's going to be a very interesting conference to watch. You got Bemidji, you got Michigan Tech, you got Northern, you've got uh, Western, like Lake Superior State. Lake one? State. Lake yeah. State is Bowling Green, the, right? Yep. BGSU. That, that's going to be a very interesting conference to kind of watch to see who kind of separates themselves from the pack. And Ferris could be one of those teams that's mid to upper echelon of that table. So, yeah, absolutely. So this weekend, Lewandowski uh, was able to net his 50th career goal. How big is that for a young Spartans team? to get some leadership and some experience back in a guy like him. So him coming back was a really good development because there was not a lot of you know upperclassmen that had the points totals like him that you could spread through the lines. You take a look at the lineup charts. Lewandowski's not on the first line. No. And he's a fifth-year senior. He's on a line with A.J. Hodges, and I forgot the other person. I, f- I, I should know this. I'm going to have to know this next week. But to bring him back and to have him score his 50th last year – he didn't have the be- nobody on the Spartans had the best of seasons. Charlie Combs, who's re- who left to join the, I want to say Wichita Thunder, um, in the AHL, he he was the leading point scorer. And so Lewandowski coming back, there were a lot of times last year when he was trying to get that 100th point that he was so overzealous in the offensive zone he would take penalties. So this the first game he played with Christoph Papp and AJ Hodges, and the second game yeah, he yeah, played Papp. with Christoph Papp and Jeremy Davis. Yeah, so da- so they brought in Davidson on that second line, yep. and he played really well. But Christoph Papp, you know, to have him, that's a very Lewandowski is the dad of that line because Christoph Papp did not have a very good year last year, going from center to being. Uh, he started the first, I think, ten games at center. Then Denton Cole took him out of the lineup because when you play center, that's a whole different ball game in terms of defensive responsibilities. You're in the middle of the defensive zone guarding the guy that's in the slot. And then you also have to cover men because most of the time wingers get caught on weird sides. So um, for him to have that leadership capability and to get that 50th goal is really kind of a good way to get the monkey off the back and kind of get him going and the Spartans team going on offense. We're joined by Cam McLaren here on the Green and White Report. Cam, the Spartans are three for seven on the power play so far on the young season. How much do you think... Has that area been shored up, and how important is it that that area continues to be something that the Spartans pay attention to? Well, Michigan State, they scored 39 goals last year, and I'm pretty sure maybe seven of them came on the power play. They were top, they were bottom three in power play percentage. They, were, they converted at a whopping 7% last year. It was abysmal, and Charlie Combs had, I think, four out of, of the seven power play goals. So he left, but last night it was... A very big difference than what was seen last year. Last year, they were looking for those cute plays, those one-timers, and Denton Cole said it last night after the game. He said, you know, most people believe that on the power play, you have to have those pretty plays, those crisp passes, and then a nice wide-open back door. Last night, you saw a completely different um, look for the Spartans' power play. The first power play unit had only one returning member, and that was Josh Nodler. Um, Gucciardi was on the fir- the first power play unit. Jesse Tucker, who stood out last night, he was on that first unit. And then the second unit, you have you have Neenhouse, you have Sasana, and then you have your big guns with Lewandowski. But it was they executed the game plan perfectly. They got the passes that they needed to, and they caught 
the defenders who were recovering in bad positions. Um, Lochran's first goal was a a goal in a dirty area, which is something that the Spartans had a little bit of success on last year with the power play. And then the second goal for Lochran was, and if, if you look at it, the Spartans entered the zone on a four on three. And what they were able to do resembled a lot of what Minnesota was able to do when Minnesota played at home on the Olympic rink or on the Olympic sized hockey sheet. They were able to expand and then constrict opposing defenses. And so Gucci already got tangled up with somebody on the on the Spartan logo at center ice. And all of a sudden, Michigan State's on a four on three. And that's a lot of ice. They went tic-tac-toe and it was just a bunch of shots barotted at Schilling and Schilling couldn't do anything he was on full snow angel mode and Lochran just poached it in it went back in and into the back of the net for a second goal and that was two nil within the first 10 minutes of the game Lochran scored two goals within I want to say a minute 24 of each other so it was a very fast start and it all started because of the power play all right we're I want to talk a little bit more about Christoph Papp a little bit so last year he looked small he was getting bodied a lot like getting just smoked going down not being able to Played the defense he could because he was getting he wasn't able to play physical hockey because he was undersized. Off season he got bigger, he got faster, learned his defensive roles. How big is that for the Spartans? Well, it's huge, especially to have a, a team that's got a lot of younger um, people. I think they have fourteen or sixteen members of this team that are sophomores or below. So to have Christoph Papp, who has that game experience from last year, to not only get bigger and use his size, but also still do the things that they need him to do, which is face-offs. Michigan State, one of the best face-off teams in the country last year, doing it again this year. I I don't know what the numbers were last night, but Friday night they went 40 out of 60. They won 40 out of 63 draws. Michigan State plays well whenever they win the face-off battle, and a lot of the, a lot of the times Christoph Papp and Josh Nadler are going to be in there, and they're going to be needed to win those offensive zone faceoffs, but Christoph Papp looked very good last night. I didn't see him a lot on the ice, which is both a good and a bad thing because sometimes whenever you see somebody, it's either for a very good thing or for a very bad thing. Jesse Tucker also on Friday going six for eight on faceoffs. Jesse Tucker, I he, st- he stood out to me last night as one of the three freshmen that are coming. He's one of the news, seven new people on this team. He's, a, he's one of the three freshmen. The kid can ball. He will not the come kid, out of that lineup. He no. No, Last he's a night, phenomenal hockey player. The first power play, uh, two minutes into the game, Jesse Tucker goes behind the net and passes the puck to himself off the back of the net, goes around, gets past his defender by doing so, resembling Sidney Crosby, sets up Gucciardi in the slot, and Gucciardi fans on the shot. But it was beautiful. Jesse Tucker, albeit having the best flow on the team, that man has some nice lettuce nice on his head. That. Nice he, salad. He is arguably going to be one of the most important freshmen on this team because he's got silky mitts. The kid will not pass up a shot. He had, I think, three one-timers on the on Michigan State's five-minute major a penalty. Bomb. He he is a very good hockey player, and Denton Cole said so his, himself. He has a very good hockey IQ, and he said he's a very good hockey player with a adjective in the middle. What? Wow! I just looked up Jesse Tucker. Thank you, MSUSpartans.com. Green Bay His Gamblers. Flow Green Bay is Gamblers, unbelievable. baby. 5'11, 183, probably just laying people out. Lettuce. He's faster than he, he should be as no, well. Yeah. And the thing is, is that he uses that 5'11, 183 frame just to push people out of the way. He yeah. did it three separate times he last night. He doesn't throw hits. He waits for people to come hit him and he lays the boom on them. 
Also, shout out, he played with one of the kids that I used to play with, uh, Vincent Mancini, who's now at Nebraska Omaha. The Green Bay Gamblers. Yeah, Whew. and he he put up some... He wore the C. Yeah, he's the leader in assists, the career leader in assists with 88. And he had 34 last year, 16 of which came on the power play, which is why he's on Michigan State's first power play unit, getting his first collegiate point with the Spartans last night on Lochran's game-opening goal. One, one more question here for Cam uh, from Zach. Once again, Cam McLaren, MSU Hockey Beat Reporter, joining us on the Green White Report. All right. So from the little sample size that we have gotten so far of Pierce Charleston, how do you feel about him? Big smile. Is he the, is he the guy, smile on his is face he the in, guy the in that? Here, here's, the, here's what I, I will say. Pierce last night only faced, I want to say, 25 shots. And Michigan State plays very well when they outshoot the, uh, the opponent. The night before, Drew DeRitter had to make 34 saves. Uh, usually in college hockey, if you make 34 saves, it's usually a close game. It was, but Michigan State still ended up losing. Michigan State may have one of the best goalie tandems in the country this year. Just because Pierce Charlson can use his size, he's still agile for a guy that big. Six and, two. and some of the saves that he made yesterday, very good. Because there were a couple of times Michigan State was caught in defensive liabilities, leaving guys wide open. Luke Rowe for Air Force... His first goal was because he was left wide open. He was able to skate down from the point and rip a shot that beat Charleston clean. It was a goal scorer's goal. Went off the elbow and in. Beautiful. Even the little ping, you could hear it from the press box. But Pierce Charleston and Drew DeRitter are going to be one of the best tandems in the country for sure in the Big Ten. Goalie of the future as well in green and white. Because he's only a sophomore. Only a sophomore. He's big. He's experienced. (laughs) Coming from the BC, right? Uh, He... Or, he played in the Alberta Junior Leagues. Okay, he, and he okay. played very okay. good for Brooks there. So, so John Moore played in the BC. Yeah. Okay. So it's that goalie tandem is going to be something special to watch because there's not a lot of goaltenders in the Big Ten that have really stood out this year. Um, we were talking on the hockey beat Cameron Rowe at Wisconsin. It was very good last year as a freshman. The sophomore slump is real for some people, and he did not have a very good game yesterday or Friday night. So. That'll be something to watch out for is can the Spartans, knowing that they have a very good tandem in net, be able to actually, you know, use offense as their best defense this year instead of just relying because there were so many times they were getting outshot and outdueled. Oh, Drew DeRitter has to stand on his head for, I would say, probably for the past of, two years, yeah, he's six, had to stand on his head. Six of the seven wins last year, DeRitter had to make over 30 saves. And just before that, John Letheman had to stand on his head in the 2019-20 season. Last year, Drew DeRitter had to do so. And then this year, they they actually have some stable goaltending. They have defense that can actually score and defend. Cole and Christian Krieger, back for, I'm pretty sure, their senior seasons. Leading alongside Dennis Asana. So the, the upperclassmen leadership ability of this team is going to be something to watch out for, especially knowing that you have very good goaltending. Cam, thank you for joining us this morning on the Green and White Reports. We want to have you back in the future. More Michigan State hockey, Miami of Ohio next weekend at home as well, correct? Yes. Big, More big games coming up. A lot of storylines surrounding the Spartans this year. You can follow Cam on Twitter. You can follow his work, Ryan, Jacob Stinson, Zach, the rest of the hockey guys here for WDBM. You can also listen to the Behind the Mask podcast. 
dropping every week on Thursday or Friday. If you're interested in that podcast, impact89fm.org, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we let you go, any rec- any uh, recruiting pitch on the uh, the behind the mac the behind the behind the mask podcast. Um. It's it's interesting. We we cover Come for some... the hockey, stay for the fun. Yeah, um, hoping to bring back tool time, but it all depends. So it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. We 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 go over some pretty interesting topics, and there's always a few little quips here and there about um, all of our favorite NHL teams, specifically Jacobs' poor choice in picking the St. Louis Blues to be his team. Go Blackhawks. Oh, no. Terrible. You know what? We're, we're just going to leave it at that. Cam, thank you for joining us this morning. Cam will be back as a featured guest on the Green and White Report the rest of hockey season. Lions and NFL on the way in the 12 o'clock hour, five past the hour here on the Green and White Report. Yeah. 12 o'clock hour here on the Green and White Report. We're currently watching the Jets and Falcons game in studio from London. Zach, I'm interested in your thoughts as we get into some Lions, some NFL here at the top of the hour on the Green and White Report. NFL London games. Love them. Hate them. Kyle Pitts just made an unbelievable catch around two defenders. But NFL games in London. Love, hate, indifferent. Love when Kyle Pitts gets big catches because he's right on my fantasy team. Ah, um, but, I see Mike Davis in the backfield. Actually, that's Cordero Patterson. Don't hand the ball to him. All right, he's stuffed. Yeah, I'll take fine. that. Negative two. I, we, um, we don't want to give I, live play-by-play of this no, game. but No, I had to do that yesterday. We had a bunch of technical difficulties against Rutgers. I was trying to call off a live stream from the basement of Holden Hall. Um, so it got real interesting. <laughs> London games, though. Love them. I think really? it's cool. I think it's cool. I actually liked when they did the Mexico City games too with the I, Raiders. I was a fan of that. So I I I think that they would I don't like when the NFL tries to overdo them though. I think we should do one or two a year. Get those guys involved cuz that that only brings more money to the sport which we know the NFL doesn't need any more of that, but it's pretty cool. Um like I think it would be sweet if we got some like Big time soccer in the United yeah. States somewhere. Like I would hit that. So give I, that we give them our NFL. They give us their Prem League. Ex- that's ex- we'll just have, like one or two games a year. We'll have to have Ad, we'll have to have Adam Baker on again and see if he would agree to a a proposition like that. But hey, happy rivalry week, Trent, who's not here today. Zach, myself. It's our Lions against Henry Menegoza's Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> wow, it's it, it. We're electric here in the studio. A couple of injury updates. Dalvin Cook, we're, I'm, I'm checking on his status as we speak. Dalvin Cook is is listed as questionable for this afternoon. We're not sure if he's going to go for that 1 o'clock game. But on the Lions side of things, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Panay Sewell, and TJ Hawkinson will all be active for the game. Zach, I hate to be this guy. The Lions are 0-4 this season. Owen, they'd fall to 0-5 with a loss today. That'd be their first 0-5 start since, I believe, 2015. I, I'm selling that the Lions go winless because I, I turned on some some TV and some radio this morning and people were talking, oh, are the Lions going winless this year? I'm, I'm selling. I just have to get this out of the way now. They're bad, but I am selling them to go winless. There's opportunities for them to pick up wins this year. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I think they'll have two or three wins this year. Um, hopefully next year we get either an elite defensive player or a quarterback. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see. We got a lot of draft picks coming up, so that's that's pretty hopeful. 
Um, other note, we might be able to get a good quarterback late. A lot of quarterbacks draft stocks falling right now. Um, just because you're struggling, Desmond like, Ritter, De- Desmond Ritter, uh, his, big Desmond Ritter, his, guy. his drag stock's actually going up, but he was he was pretty low to begin with. But um, guys like Spencer Rattler, I think he's gonna be. I don't think he's gonna be anything crazy. I think he'll put up like Baker Mayfield numbers in the NFL, probably somewhere right around there. Um, but he looked he looked bad last weekend, and I, I don't know if it was the way Texas was playing or if he couldn't get a read. Um, two inter two interceptions though. Um, but I. Th- I think the Lions are going to get two or three wins, dropped within the draft within the top three. Hopefully, don't take a bummy corner from Ohio State. Ugh. And then yeah, uh, who do they have? Got to check the roster. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll have to see. But yeah, no, I, I don't see the, the Lions losing seventeen games this year. I mean, just looking at the schedule, they have a home date with the Eagles on Halloween. That could be an opportunity to pick up a win. They go to Pittsburgh. That could be another opportunity to pick up a win. The Bears come into town for Thanksgiving. Still pretty out on the Bears this season. They have the Broncos as well. The Falcons, who are now not sure what's going on. They're still leading only by three against the Jets, though. Vegas has their current over-under wins total, kind of an updated season win total at three. I think that's about right. I think Vegas has the number pretty correct. I'm big and high on, on Kayvon Thibodeau. I think he would be a massive pickup for this team. But let's talk a little bit more about today's game. Lions-Vikings, 1 o'clock rivalry game for the Green-White Report. Justin Jefferson, and I'm interested in getting Henry's thoughts on this as well. For any fantasy owners out there for Justin Jefferson, I am not one. He is going to be a brutal, and I mean brutal, cover for those Lions corners. Between him and Adam Thielen, they're going to put in work. No, the, uh, I'll let Hen- Henry touch on that. I know he loves talking about Vikings. This is our Vikings expert. Yeah, but welcome th- to the main stage. Not only, not only do they have two elite <laughs> wide receivers and an elite running back, MSU alum Kirk Cousins is slinging the ball this year. Having a nice year is slinging the ball this year, and a lot of it goes to Delvin Cook gives them a lot of play action look so they can get guys open. Uh, Justin Jefferson can fly, and he loves hitting the gritty, so you know he loves crossing that goal line. Um, Still waiting for Kirk to hit one. True. I, I want it bad. Um, but, uh, no, the, the Vikings are an extremely good football team. I think they're better than anybody thought they were going to be, except for... <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, before we get to Henry, I'll tee but, this yeah. question up. I'll tee this up. You know, this is the question for the people as well. 517-884-8989. Text in with your thoughts. 517-884-8989. Which team has more pressure on them to win this game. Is it the Detroit Lions or the Minnesota Vikings? Henry, I'll throw it to you. I actually wasn't listening to that question. Can you do it again? Oh, yeah. Wh- wh- which team has got more pressure to win this game? Oh, that's a really good this, question, I, actually. Th- because the Lions, they're winless. The Vikings cannot afford to lose this kind of game at yeah. home to the Lions. Wh- who's got... Uh, this Honestly, is rivalry week. We're getting everybody involved. Maybe Trent can call in. <laughs> who who has more pressure on them, the Lions or the Vikes? I, I think it's actually an easy one. I think it's the Vikings. Yeah, the, the Vikings have much more expectations for their season this year. You know, t- not to trample on a down team or whatever, but um, yeah, th- th- if the Vikings drop this one, it, things are looking very, very bleak for the rest of the season. And I think the Lions kind of knew what they were getting into. You know, <laughs> ahead of ahead of this yeah. year. Yeah, we all, Lions fan embrace the, city, the rebuild. Yeah, Lions fans of the city of Detroit, if they thought anything other than a rebuild, they're out of their mind. And the Vikings are thinking playoffs, and that's just what it is. Vikings are one and three with a win today. Obviously, they'd pull to two and three, a little bit closer to that expanded playoff picture in the NFC. 
Henry, Vikings, still a realistic shot to make the playoffs with the win today against the Lions. Yeah, and I want to add that Viking, uh, they have updated Delvin Cook's status officially out. Oh, so, no. Alexander I mean, Madison. Alexander Madison is a great, is yeah. a very underrated uh, piece on that offense. So it's it's not the biggest blow in the world. And, you know, um, you know they've had to do it plenty of times. So Big blow for my fantasy team. That oh, is no. true. I was going to need him to carry the water for me today. Especially after <laughs> Russell Wilson's performance and coming out in favor of Geno Smith. Geno Smith injury. can huck the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I give him credit. Henry, I want to talk a little bit about this Vikings defense because you're our Vikings expert. It seems like they've beefed up that front seven a little bit, but on the back end, they might they might be struggling. I'm a big Harrison Smith guy. Absolutely. But, is, but would you say the, 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 the Vikings offense is ahead of the defense right now? Oh, I mean, there's no question about it. When can we ever say that? It seems like... The, the Vikings offense is always the side of the ball that people complain about, right. but I think that the, the narrative is kind of flipped. Well, I would say that's been like that for probably two seasons, like this being the second season, because last year was kind of the same story. Uh, we were actually seeing the offense taking strides and the defense going in the opposite direction. Um, I, I I mean, you can't. it's hard to be upset with this offensive output. You got star-studded in the, the receiving core, obviously Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins playing great this year. So really the fault has been with me for the pa- this past season, uh, and, and then going on to this year in the defense, uh, and more specifically in the secondary, where they did bring in Patrick Peterson, who's been a nice addition. And like you mentioned, Harrison Smith is obviously um, very solid always. Big um, hair. I'm a big Harrison yeah, Smith guy. Yeah, me too. Me too. So it's it's. I mean, they do still have young corners, a young secondary. Um, they're kind of shuffling up the the linebacker core as well. It's it's been very frustrating for a Mike Zimmer coach, defensive minded coach, you know to. To have a defense just go backwards the past two seasons. I'm interested in hearing your guys' thoughts on Zim. You know, I, I, I'm I've always been a Mike Zimmer guy. Had a lot of success pretty early in his tenure there. Even back when they were playing at the Minnesota Golden Gophers Stadium. Oh, I, I, who, who was the kicker that missed that field goal t- for the win against the Seahawks when they Blair lost? Walsh. Oh no, Blair yeah, Walsh. That was, Blair Walsh. That was actually you. You set me up perfectly for my next question. What is going on with the Vikings kicking game for like the last ten years? Yeah, and they had Dan Bailey, stud. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've they've had a couple. They had Kai Bo- Forbath for a while. I mean, they've had a little bit of a rotating rotating cast. It's yeah, it's just been very inconsistent, very uh, heartbreaking. Obviously, this year we've seen it against the uh, against the Bengals, you know, and yeah. some other missed kicks they're, throughout the, the entire season so far. So. The Vikings very like they're one and three, but don't let that re- like record like fool you. They should be three and one. Yeah, I, I mean, this they lost two close ones to start the season. Um, you know, I think even last game they could have they could have picked it up. I'm not gonna. But I mean, today is one where you hope is a get well game. Yeah, as much as I hate, to, I don't want to dance all over your your lions nope. or whatever. You, you feel you free absolutely to dance. do that. They dance, dance as over much our as feelings. You want. Da- yeah, I was gonna say the lions have just a, a rampant disrespect for our feelings, so they don't deserve anybody's sympathy. You know, I want to talk about Zim for a second, though, before we wrap this segment. No, it's okay, Zach. It's okay. Once Blair Walsh came into the fold, we kind of all got distracted. But I've always been a Zim guy. I like a defensive-minded head coach. How... How much pressure on is this kind? Of, is how hot is his seat? I guess that's the question. It's weird. His, you'd feel like his seat should be hotter than it is. It's really. I speaking as a fan, I don't feel like his seat is that hot. Um, and maybe it should be more hot than it is. But um, I mean, like you said, he came in and kind of turned around a down team. They had some good playoff runs. They had some Super Bowl contending teams. I would even say. Um, and then the last couple, of, the last couple years, really, to me, it's been. Uh, kind of uh, 
kind of a backwards trend, and I think it really lies in the defense, which again is Zimmer's baby. You know, that's his that's his uh, expertise, if you if you call it that. So it's just kind of frustrating, a little bit odd, even to to see that be the uh, the detriment of this team. We'll we'll get into the full predictions and the picks a little bit later in the show. One last thing I wanted to bring up, Zach. You know, we talked a little bit about that front seven for the Vikings being a strength of the team. Panay Sewell, he is in the lineup today. He's going to play at left tackle. I, 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 I've I, been a staunch proponent of this all season long. I think you have to keep him at left tackle when Taylor Decker comes back. This team is terrible. There's no reason for you to need to move him back to the right side. I, I need, they need to keep him at left tackle, in my opinion. With a right-handed quarterback, you need your best offensive lineman there, and he is by a country mile your best offensive lineman, and he's going to be your best offensive lineman for the next 10 years. I, I completely agree. Got to keep him there. Uh, for that, After the Okuda pick, I was ready to be done with the Lions. I really was. I probably would have not just been a fan of anybody or picked a terrible team like Jacksonville just so I could just get Urban my heart. Meyer. Oh, yikes. Yeah, he talk about hot oh, seat. Oh, uh, Wow. But then they turn around and Penny Sewell somehow falls to him. Um, I wanted Isaiah Simmons last year. That's who I wanted. Um, or I wanted to trade back and take somebody else. But I wanted Isaiah Simmons. We didn't take him. We took Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda's look terrible. We still have some hope that he'll get better eventually. Uh, but Penny Sewell's legit. He's legit now. He's going to be legit for the next 10 years, like I said. And um, I don't know. I'm excited. So, but... 517-884-8989. The question remains, which team has more pressure on them to win this game? The winless Detroit Lions or the Vikings trying to sneak back in the playoff picture? I think the consensus, Zach, is, is Vikes in this game. Can't lose to the Lions. I agree. Not at home. Not, not this terrible Lions team. No. If it was at Ford Field, it's one thing. NFC North can get weird. Those kind of games can get weird, but... Not a whole. Oh yeah, game. At, at Ford Field, my predictions are completely different. But I completely agree. With no Delvin, but... Sparty Awards on the other side of the break here on the Green and White Report. We're not going to reveal the topic, but think fall, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Think fall for the Sparty Awards here on the Green and White Report. It's Sparty Awards time this morning on the Green and White Report. We're once again dancing in studio. The vibes are just fantastic. The sun is shining in the windows. Excedrin, we have shout out Excedrin. It's sitting on the counter. We have the the, the game on behind us. Currently 27-17 Falcons, but the Jets are driving, so stay tuned for that. But it is Sparty Awards time. The topic on Sparty Awards, favorite fall traditions. So, yes. We are being anointed. Welcome, Zach, to Sparty Awards. This, this is your Sparty Awards debut. Yes. I, I'm holding up a pretend microphone, which is my uh, pen. How do you feel? How's the pressure? It's like the post game interview. Did you see Jim Harbaugh completely dodge the post game interview yesterday after the t- after the game? Oh yeah, he's a sketchy dude. He he was he was kind of running around all crazy like he normally is. He sleeps over at miners' houses. Yeah, in tree houses, in yeah. tree houses at miners' houses. In yeah. fact, but the reporter was running over to him to try to get him as one would because you. That is their job. You have a post-game interview, journalism, but he just completely bailed. But nevertheless, that has nothing to do with fall traditions. I'm going to kick it to you, Zach. What is your your first favorite fall tradition? My favorite. Especially the start of fall, too. Thank goodness. My favorite fall tradition for as long as I can remember is watching football and playing football with my friends, my family, my teams. 
that I there's nothing better than just sitting down, fall weather, nice cool sixty degrees outside, and just watching some football or playing some football with your buddies. Halloween football, Thanksgiving football, football Sunday football, Monday football, even tossing the pigskin Thursday football, Thursday foot toss the pigskin around a little bit uh, at the tailgate, just throwing it right down Albert Street, exactly right in the middle of the street, right down Albert. Right, Henry. We were we've played a little ball at head Henry so far this year. Yeah, no cops called yet, so that's good. Yeah, we, we we're respectful. We 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 have thrown the ball over some cars before across the street, but it's it's what happens if you're going to drive through there on game day. If yeah. you're willing to drive down Albert Street, you should know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, you're lucky you're not getting cans thrown at your car. Henry runs Albert Street, by the way. Oh, absolutely. We, we were running spins down the street yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we were. Yeah, Not right. just down Albert, but no also down no free ads. <laughs> <laughs> also down neighboring Gunson Street. Oh sorry, we were riding scooters yeah. down the street yesterday. O- electronic uh, mobilized scooters. My first Sparty Awards submission for the favorite fall traditions is the cider mill. I am the biggest cider donut guy on planet Earth. You- <laughs> Oh, I love you brought him to the, you brought him to the sports meeting this week. I, that's why I had to. It's the official start of fall. You got powdered sugar. Cinnamon sugar, plain. Love cinnamon sugar. You know, I, I, I'll even accept like a chocolate one as a cinnamon a, sugar. as a fall donut. I, I'm a cinnamon sugar, powdered sugar guy. Uh, you know, I mentioned plain pumpkin donut. Love. I a pumpkin saw you donut. brought the pumpkin donuts. I tried a little bit of one. Not bad. I think if if I had to pick one cider donut that I like the best, it'd be powdered sugar, which Ooh. is kind of a cold take. Yeah, I like. I like you, the ca- cinnamon. you can kind of make a mess. Oh, when the cinnamon donuts are hot and sticky oh, and with with some apple cider. On, see, I love the cider mill. You got the corn maze there. You have cider corn donuts. Corn maze is very bad. You don't like the corn maze? I just, well, I like corn mazes. But at a certain cider mill that I think we're referencing, corn oh. maze, horrible. We're, we're all taller than the corn at, at certain cider mill up I-127 that we may or may not be referencing. That we may be at next weekend. Yeah, literally. <laughs> next weekend, the WDBM family may be making an appearance there. All in the family. We had a Halloween party this past weekend. The station is still decorated. Everything looks fantastic. But love cider donuts. You got the you got corn mazes, cider donuts, cars, people. You got bees buzzing around. Big cider mill. Some guy. more of our other things that we'll mention. You can absolutely find at a cider mill. So let's get it. All right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One. Yeah. This this leads us perfectly into Zach's second submission. I love pumpkin patches. My whole life. Just it's gone the great and- pumpkin, Charlie Brown phenomenal film oh phenomenal. a million percent um, it's gonna be on national tv october 24th uh, 7 30 i will be tuned in that oh, sunday without a doubt i will be tuned it's gonna in. be great pumpkin charlie brown leading into sunday night football oh, electric it's gonna oh, be electric it's anyways that's not to interrupt no why do you love pumpkin patches uh, i don't know i as a kid, I just loved going to the pumpkin patch with my pick mom. Pick out your pumpkin. Yeah, pick out my you pumpkin. You take the hayride out to the pumpkin patch. Find a just absolutely a beauty. ridiculous, enormous, gorgeous pumpkin that there's no need for me to have and be like, Mom, this is the one I want. Your parents are like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. Get a smaller pumpkin. Yeah, which, you say, no, this is my pumpkin. It's perfect. Yeah, and then I, the funny thing is, though, I don't like carving pumpkins. Really? You just not, like getting the pumpkin? I just like getting them. Like, if it was my choice, I would just leave a full pumpkin on there, like, not carved. I, wow, that's kind of a cold take. It is a super cold take. You don't like take. drawing I, a spooky face No, I used to love it, and I like, I like, I like helping my younger sister carve her pumpkin. But I hate cleaning them out. Like, 
the sliminess but of it. Like, the, it's a texture thing for me. But I love, like, pumpkin seeds and everything pumpkin. But just putting my hand in there, it's like... The sliminess, in my opinion, is worth the reward. Oh, Plus, for sure. Bake, if, if you take the seeds out and you bake them Yo, in the I oven, love pumpkin delicious. Seeds. Love them. Pumpkin Season pie. them up. Pumpkin pie? Pumpkin... I mean, Oh, my mom makes pumpkin rolls, which oh, are my no. all-time favorite... Food ever? That sounds and delicious. It's dessert. I'm surprised so. you got you got to grind to enjoy this, man. You just oh, got to put your yeah. hand no, inside like, the pumpkin. I don't like. I do it every you, single year. You gotta, you it's just, gotta just buckle not my down and do thing. it, man. You got to just cold, buckle down and do it. It's moist. Oh, slimy. Oh, just so slimy. They're like stringy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the texture is just unbelievable. It's it's wild. That's so my sure. my second submission, which also has to do with today, because the sun is shining in the studio windows, is the weather. I love fall weather. Uh, you know, like you talk about football weather. Like when you leave your apartment or your house to, to go to the tailgate or you step outside for the first time, there's a little dew on the grass. There's a little crisp in the air. Fall weather, football weather just gets me going. Oh. If it's a little bit cold at the tailgate, whatever. That's football weather. Bring a People are about to hit each other. You'll be all right. Wear a <laughs> yeah. jersey. Bring wear some jeans, sweat. I don't even. You can wear sweatpants. I don't care. That sweatpants at the tailgate might kind of be a questionable decision. I'm a jeans guy. I I love jeans. Yeah, I'm a jeans, big jeans khakis. Guy. Anything? Why not? Not one of Henry's uh, roommates may or may not be dressing as Jim Harbaugh for Halloween. So oh, it's phenomenal. So the khakis will it is be phenomenal. Out. We, we might have to put a picture up uh, on Twitter at GW Report WDBM. That's phenomenal. so. Stay tuned out for that one. But, uh, Zach, we'll go to your third and final submission here for favorite fall traditions. It's not – I don't like doing it, but it's a fall tradition everyone does, and it's raking leaves. Yes, There's you're, nothing you're a happy like, homeowner. Nope, there, nope. I mulch them. Take the lawnmower, mulch them. Mulch All right. I, I'm <laughs> not going to lie. You just run them over. I run them right over, sticks man. in there? Oh, that's all good. It's good yeah, for the soil. Good. But it's not no, good for the actually, lawnmower, it actually, it actually is good for the soil. So every once in a while, you do have to mulch a little bit. It'll hurt the but blade. It'll hurt the lawnmower blade. That's, can, a, that's a next spring kind of problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's a next spring kind of problem. You can burn the leaves, too. That's a, later, that's a later me issue. Have either one of you guys burned the leaves? I mean, I live in the city as a I kid, live, so yeah, I didn't I, have the chance. I don't really. I don't have much of a chance. I live in a pretty big subdivision, and my neighbors yeah. would not be too happy if I was just setting fires. Henry, are you a leaf burner? Uh, when you rake leaves, I told you I mulch them. I don't have to burn them. I I, I find it so so. You've never operated a rake ever. <laughs> Is that no you, no? You, it's not true. You, In high school, I did a lot of raking. I like just do it for money. I know? love raking. Like when I was a kid, like in high school, if I came home from school or practice or whatever, and I saw my dad like raking leaves outside, oh, you got I'd him. pick a rake up and go join him. It's it. It's cool, and you know the school buses are going by. The vibes are just immaculate. You're raking leaves. Oh, you have abso- to. absolutely! I, I might go home just to rake some leaves because oh. I live in an apartment. My complex takes care of that for me. I'm gonna go home oh, to like my grandmother's are, house or are my always, parents' house. You're and rake. always welcomed at my house. To I was rake. gonna say, ten, I mean, Albert Street will love to have you as well. Hey, uh, Lexington a, also. A little, a little uh, raking leaves party. <laughs> no, and the, you just can't tell me like when you're a kid. You're raking leaves, and then someone chucks you into the big old pile of leaves. Yeah. Like that's great. Liam's great. gonna do that to you. Oh yeah, Liam's gonna baby me because he's my boss, and then just yeah. throw me right into the pile Head of leaves. Head first. That 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 kind of funnels perfectly into my last Sparty Awards submission. Once again, favorite fall traditions: flannels and other fall clothes. I am a big flannel guy. You got sweatshirts. You got sweatpants. Jeans. Season is starting to come. Khakis, other gear, but but flannels being the boots. headliner. Yeah, boots. 
<laughs> the fall clothing options are are just phenomenal. Being headlined by flannels, I'm a big flannel guy. We might have to we might have to make it a show tradition to each wear a flannel. I, I will to the to the studio every time I'm here. I'll I'll wear a flannel. I love flannels. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Fall takes <coughs> takes the win by a lot. Best season. Best Summer is, is damn close for for best overall and best clothing. See, I work at a pool store in the summer, so all I do is work all summer. So yeah. I love it. Like I get money and stuff, but like at the same time, like it's a lot of work. Yeah. So the, I think fall. I used to be a spring guy because baseball, golf, but fall golf's pretty great as well. All right, Henry, what did we miss? All right, guys, this this isn't going to go over well. Oh no. I'm a, I'm, a little bit, well. I'm a little bit worried about this. I'll give myself a buzzer even because I know I'm in I know I'm in the minority here. I know I'm the outsider. We're we're gritting our teeth. Zach's actually gritting his teeth. I, I am just not that big of a fan of fall. Oh my goodness. I just didn't. I'm just going not. on. Just, what what the, season the, do you like? This Sparty Awards. He says he's gonna say winter. He's no, gonna I'm say not. winter. I'm, no, I'm not. But from the UP, how could I ever say that? No, no, no. Listen, I thought you were gonna say oh, I love to ski and snowshoe no, well, and I guess sauna. I yeah, no, well, not sauna. Let me tell you, let me stop you right there, buddy. It's sauna. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. we'll move. We'll move on. <laughs> so we'll, hold on. Why do we'll you... revisit that later? But uh, not a fall guy. I'm yeah. not a fall guy. This Sparty Awards was not really tailored for me. Wow. Um. So yeah. it, we missed everything. We, well, we missed on yeah, everything. You missed everything. Every, just no, bad. No, that's true. I li- I like these things. I mean, I like football. I like the you know the pumpkin spice lattes. It's all great. Oh, do you like flannels? Yeah. I'm, I don't have any flannels. I'm not gonna. Oh lie my! Hit goodness. the buzzer again. Yeah. Well, this man hates fall. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm just not a fall guy. I, I guess I, I like the football. I, I miss playing football in high school. Yeah. I mean, I'd go like partridge hunting or whatever, you know, stuff like that. That's all great, but it's just not my favorite, man. I don't. It, there's there's so much juice, like in our in our society, in our culture. Let's 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 look at this at a macro. There is so much juice around fall, and I just I just don't get behind it the same way. Like, it's it's just overhyped. It's I, overhyped. I, I'm I, saying it. I agree. Fall uh, fall is extremely highly rated on the season scale. Extremely like, highly rated. I, I don't I don't necessarily think fall is like by far the best. Or the best, but as you get, as I got older, and once you get into high school, well, for me, football season was fall, right? Absolutely. And then it, fall, the begin, or the end of fall before winter is hockey season. Okay. So when it when it got fall, it, it was time to go. Sure, I so, still I still get those sentiments like that. That's still true. Yeah, but, like I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna sit here and say fall's the best, but it's well, it's, it's just, just my favorite. It's it's it is quite it is uh universally or at least widely accepted. To be at a very exciting time of year, and I just can't get—I just don't get behind it the same way. That's D- it. That's all I got for you guys on Sparty Chris, Awards. Don't Christmas is the most too. magical time of the year, though. Oh my, easily. Once once Christmas starts and we start playing Christmas music on the show, oh, it's gonna be unbelievable. More football on the way next, though. NFL buy or sell with Henry. Crazy takes flying in the studio today. Henry, not a fall guy. I might not have to tweet guy. that. You know, I am gonna tweet that. We're going to break now before I get mad. The Green and White Report. We're back here on the Green and White Report. I just hit send on a tweet. Breaking. We just, we have unbelievable breaking news on the show about Henry not being the biggest fan of fall. I'm, I'm a big fan of this bump back song, though. I am in misery. We may or may not have been singing this song last night. Out, 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 Don't out discriminate on. us now. Yeah, we we may have. We're Lions fans are in misery. Oh, Zach, you and I are in rough shape. We, yeah, we may or may not 
I've, I've been singing this song last night oh. uh, on Albert. Yeah, no. We were singing this song last night out on oh, Albert. So we, it's electric. We were getting dark last night. Um, the highlight of the night, though, we were trying to bring back Sean Kingston. So we had a nice little six songs from the Kingston Ooh. man. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind for next next, next Henry time. Henry is, is creating ideas on a list over there. Yeah, I love Sean Kingston. He's I'm a big I'm a big fan actually. All right. NFL buy or sell time with Henry. All right, boys, here we go. Buy or sell. The New England Patriots will miss the playoffs for the second season in a row. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it. I, I don't think the Patriots have it. It the Tom Brady difference is is very real. I like their defense a lot. Shout out uh Steve Belichick. And his, his his tongue action on the sideline, unbelievable. That uh, was an absolutely. I, I I'm sure you guys saw it in real time. Oh, it was very noticeable. Gritting his teeth. It was slimy just tongue. So hilarious. I don't, football guy. Top football ten moment guy. of the year. I'm sure. He Easily. loves. He's a big fall guy. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you Steve Belichick loves fall. He's probably at the cider mill on Saturdays before games and um, stuff. The Patriots will, can go to the cider mill though early because they're missing the playoffs. I. Have to agree with that. I'm going to buy as well. Mac uh, Jones, I'm pretty high on him relatively, oh, so but am I. I think their they, offense is, is doesn't have a lot. Of I think upside. they ju- I think they need another year or two to really figure it out, build that defense back up after getting rid of Stephon Gilmore to uh, our own Nathan Stearns's Carolina Panthers. Yes, sir. Um, high but, on them. So I I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't think no chance they're there, especially with the Bills. Um, too good. I I completely agree. Yeah. Buy or sell, the Cowboys are headed toward a postseason where they will win a playoff game. Buy. Um, I think the Cowboys are elite. Um, I, I could not agree more. I love Trent it. and I disagree about this one pretty no. big time. Okay. Because he's, he's not super high on the Cowboys this year. I am, though. Zeke had a slow week one playing the best team in football. Yep. Um. So everybody's like, "Oh, Zeke's bad. Zeke's bad. Zeke is still a top five running back. I don't care what anybody says. Tony Pollard mix him a little bit. No, yeah, he makes Zeke better. CD Lamb, CD Blake, Blake Amari Darwin, Cooper, Darwin Schultz. Um, drawing a blank. Diggs, Stefan's little brother, Tra- uh, Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs Great is corner. a dog. Five interceptions already. Possibly winning Defensive Player of the Year the on effect, the track to do it. The, the 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 Dan Quinn going over there and transforming their defense has been huge. Oh. they have speed, they have size, they're stout up front. Dak Prescott looks great. They, they might have the best group of offensive weapons in the NFL. And I I've never been out on Mike McCarthy. I never have. So many people wanted to cast him off after they were not good last year. I've never been out on McCarthy. I trust him, and I trust the Cowboys. I mean, easily they're going to run run away with the division. NFC North is just oh, they're horrific. terrible. But I, I'm all in on them to win a playoff game this year. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Buy or sell in tonight's Chiefs and Bills matchup. A pre- oh, is tonight's Chiefs and Bills matchup a preview of the AFC title game? The only thing that makes me hesitate about this is the beloved Cleveland Browns. I think the Browns have a chance to break in to the AFC title game. I'm not out on the Chiefs. They're going to figure it out. Patrick Mahomes is elite. Their defense will figure it out. They always seem to every year. I'm going to buy this for now because I, I would give the Bills the slight edge over Cleveland. But damn, the Browns are stacked. The Browns are good. The Browns are real good. Um, but I think the Chiefs and the Bills are two of the most elite. So you're buying as well? I'm going to buy. I think they're going to be there. Um, the only one that gives me pause about this would be the Brownies. I think I think Cleveland has a shot. Add I, it, I completely add agree. Add in somebody like, I don't know if you watched any last week, but they were stacking Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney on the same side. 
Oh, and that, that is terrifying. Good luck. Like they're crossing and doing these. They're just speed rushing guys. And I'm sorry, a 300 pound left tackle is you're not getting a hand on both of them. And if you are, you're going to end up on your back. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm. I Browns for the if, Super Bowl. If, and like I say, <laughs> I, I say this. I feel like every time I get on the air, and I'm gripping the microphone with two hands right now. If the Can Buffalo, confirm. if the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns. And other just miserable franchises can can get good and win. The Detroit Lions can do it too. Buffalo, miserable franchise. Browns, miserable franchise. I'm, I'm trying to think of another team. There's another one that comes to mind who's just a terrible franchise who's now good. I'm losing my mind. Either way, if these teams, even the Cincinnati Bengals, are, are starting to show some promise. If these horrific teams can contend for the playoffs and rebuild, so can the Lions. Couldn't agree more. Buy or sell, the Lions will go winless in 2021. Yeah, quick one for both of us. We're we're both selling it. We think there's a path to three or four wins. They're not winning more than four. No, not at all. They'll win two to four and go on their way. Vegas' number of three is probably pretty spot on. I mean, Eagles, Bears once. Falcons are horrific, even though they beat the terrible Jets. I think three, four wins, no more than four is what we're looking at. But for anybody who wants to get on the Lions or going winless train, there's so much parity in the NFL. I mean, they they almost knocked off the Ravens. And, I mean, no, there's no way they go winless. And at this point, do we really want as line as if you're a Lion fan, do you really want the Lions to start winning games? They're not going to have enough wins to make the playoffs. They're at best the third best team in their division, probably the fourth. They are the fourth. In let's my be eyes. bad, but not the worst. Yeah, like let's get a number two, number three pick. Kayvon Thibodeau. It, he's probably yeah. If if I mean not Kyle Hamilton, please God. If Deshaun Watson's freed up, sling that pick for him. I yeah. don't care. Um, figure something, something out. Just using the pick as a chess piece. Because even we if have even so if they don't picks. use the pick, we have so I many completely picks. agree. We'll let's, stay on track though. We'll stay on yeah. track. By the Chargers can overtake the Chiefs to win the AFC West. I'm a big Chargers guy. I love her. I love Justin Herbert. I love, once again, Brandon Staley, head coach of the Chargers. Their defense is nasty. I wanted Staley so bad to come coach the Lions, but he went to the he went to the Chargers. I'm going to sell this because I, I'm still all in on the Chiefs this year to win the AFC West, but I think the Chargers have the pieces to I'm, their their coaching staff is very good. Joe Lombardi, former Lions offensive coordinator, he is all of a sudden looking good compared with Justin Herbert. I'm going to sell this for now, but that you know, I preface that statement with I'm very excited about the future of the not San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers. First off, move the team back to San Diego. Yes. There's enough teams in LA. They have or no fans. Else. They have no Go fans either. It's like yeah, like I, everybody in LA is a Rams fan. They're go, always go back. Go fans. to Oakland. Give them a team. Oakland has some diehards. Completely agree. Um, I think I'm going to buy this one. Both the teams are going to be in the playoffs. I think the Chargers are elite. I think they have a lot easier schedule than Kansas City. I do think Kansas City is going to beat them once, probably twice in the regular season. However, I think at the end of the day, the Chargers will still be on top of that division in the AFC West. But both teams will be in the playoffs and most likely will meet in the playoffs where I think Kansas City will beat them. I love that take. I I'm I'm as I'm as big a Chargers guy as there is. So Herbert's I'm down. elite and he needs more exception. And people are like, oh, he's overrated. He's not. He's getting Matthew Stafford treatment right now. And people need to realize like 
he is a good quarterback, and he is going to be a good quarterback for a long time. I'm all in on that. Couple quick ones here. Buy or sell? The Steelers dynasty is over. <laughs> buy, buy, buy. Why the Steelers brought Ben Roethlisberger back this year is reminiscent of of the Giants running with Eli Manning into Start the Dwayne Haskins. They're both terrible. I am out on the Steelers. They're out, out, out. They're they're done. They're done, done. So you have a big three. You can't keep t- the two that are actually like relevant to your team of Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. I know Antonio Brown has got a zillion off-field issues, but look at him now. Um, He figured stuff out. He's doing great. Um, Ben looks like a 75-year-old man trying to play football with a bunch of 20-year-olds, and it's not going to work. He looks dead. It's terrible. They're not going to – I don't think they'll be in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win more than eight games this year. Um, I could be wrong. They could win nine or ten, but they're done. I completely agree. Buy or sell, Justin Fields will start the rest of the season for the Bears. Buy. I'm going to sell. With how foolish, Matt, I think Justin Fields will deserve to start the rest of the season for the Bears, but with how foolish Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are, I I bet you they're going to screw around, and I'm sure we'll see Nick. I'm sure we'll see Andy Dalton. I, I do not trust the Bears to make the right move. The right move is starting well, Justin Fields the I rest get- of the year. Yes, I think I'm buying the fact that Justin Fields should start for the rest of the year and probably for the next 10 years in, in Chicago if they want to keep him. I'm in on him big time. I'm also buying the fact that the Bears need to get rid of Matt Nagy. So, I don't know. I, I like your take a lot there, Luke, but I think he will be starting for the rest of the year. NFL picks up next on the Green and White Report. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's so tight. Here we go. We have live feedback coming in here at the Green and White Report. Julian Mitchell, our good friend and, and former co-host of the show, he, he tweeted back at us after I tweeted the breaking news out. He said, I feel like everything I know I knew about Hank is now a lie. This is devastating. Just devastating news. Unbelievable. You I, know, hate, I, hate to ma- I hate to let a man like that down. I really do. You, you, you let him down. He's at the Vikings-Lions game right now. Unreal. I did well. not know that. We're going to get right into the picks, though, with uh, Vikings Lions being the last one. So, without further ado, this is the NFL picks for Week 5. Here we go. Just let it play. Just let it play. Gotta let it run. All right, here we go, boys. The first pick of the the day. Miami Dolphins traveling to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay favored minus 9.5. Give me the Dolphins in the points in this one. 9.5, I think, is way too many. Tampa, best team in the league, like Zach said, but I'm going to take the Dolphins in the points. Nine and a half, too many. Zach, I'm going to hop in for the second pick. Give me the Dolphins. I also agree. Nine and a half is a lot of points. I think I'm going to go, if it was money line, I'd be taking Tampa, and I'm still going to take Tampa. Ah, big cover. Next game, we got the Tennessee Titans traveling to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tennessee are favored minus seven and a half on the road. I will take the Titans to cover in this game. They'll bounce back from that loss last week to the Jets. The Jacks, the Jaguars are terrible. I wonder what bar Urban was at this week. Probably one in Florida. Hopefully wasn't making questionable decisions with women that weren't his wife. But I'll throw it to Henry and uh, not get myself in trouble. Yeah, give me the uh, Titans here. Jags suck. Urban Meyer's going to be coaching USC next year. Oh. Give me Tennessee. They're both terrible. Um, but I'm also going to take the Titans because I don't think... Jacksonville is going to be able to do very much, even with Trevor Lawrence, who does seem to be getting better and 
getting more comfortable in there. Um, Derrick Henry does love to bully some Jaguars, though. Next game, we got the Green Bay Packers favored minus three and a half, traveling to play the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to take the Bengals in this one. I'm going to take them in the points. I'm not going to take them outright. I think this is going to be a very competitive game. It's at Cincinnati. I'm very excited about the future of the Bengals with Joe Burrow under center. Minus three and a half. I think just too many points. I think it's. I think this is going to be a really tight football game. Give me the Bengals. Give me the Bengals outright. Joe Burrow ah. is balling up this year. I love the Jamar Chase connection. I'm liking what the Bengals are doing, honestly. And uh, to be honest with you, I just don't like what the Packers are doing ever. I so love it. They the struggled Bengals. with a terrible Steelers team last week. Out on them. I'm smashing Green Bay. They're in my parlay today. I got a seven-teamer. They ah. are in it. And I am going to go Green Bay. I don't know if they'll cover three and a half. I think I got them at two and a half. Um, but, yeah, I am going to go Green Bay. The New England Patriots traveled to play the Houston Texans. New England favored minus seven on the road. Like we said, we're both we're all out on the Patriots making the playoffs, but I am in on them covering this seven point spread. Houston's terrible. Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor, I don't care who's starting under center. I'm gonna take the Patriots to cover in this one and win big. Yeah, I'm I'm also gonna take you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna take the Patriots. I almost, I almost waffled on it for a second, but you know, give me give me Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick and the boys. I think they can cover seven points. Seven points is a lot. I got them at seven and a half. I took the money line. But I'm sticking with the New England Patriots. I will take them at seven, um, six and a half, seven. It's the same thing. You got to win by a touchdown. Next game, we got the Saints traveling to play the Washington football team. Saints favored minus one and a half on the road. I think this will be a get right game for the Saints. Kind of a sneaky spread here, just minus one and a half. Kind of a pick 'em type game. Football team, I respect what they do. I respect what the, the work Taylor Heineke's putting in. But I'm going to take the Saints to win this game and cover that point and a half. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. But it's almost like I don't know. There's something I don't know here yeah, about I this agree. line. Sneaky uh, line. It's 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 tempting to like to take it just because I'm I'm not sure. But to me, it's an easy pick. Saints cover that money line as well. Yeah, I'm smashing Saints as well. I also am gonna make a wicked take and just say Taysom Hill's gonna have a big day against that uh, that defense. Wow. Next game, we got the Eagles traveling to play the Carolina Panthers. Carolina favored minus three and a half at home. I'm going to take the Panthers to cover. I think the Eagles are another terrible, one of the worst teams in the NFL. I like what the Panthers are doing a lot. They brought in Henderson at corner. They brought in Stephon Gilmore at corner. J.C. Horn is going to come back for them soon. I, they have an aggressive owner in David Tepper. Sam Darnold's impressed so far. I've been very impressed by the Panthers. I think they're a playoff team. I think they win and cover. I think uh, give me the Eagles here to cover, actually. I'll take the Panthers to win at home. But You've give me been the Eagles an Eagles to, guy. I, you know what? I don't know why. I don't, know, I don't know what it's about. It. Ride or die. Jalen Hurts, maybe, I guess. I'm not sure. But give me the give me the Eagles to cover here. I tried to stay as far away as this game as I could, but yeah. I am going to take the Carolina Panthers not only to cover, but to win by a decent margin. I like it. Next game, we got the Broncos traveling to play the Steelers. Broncos favored minus two on the road. Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, all of them. Burn it down. I don't care. I'm a Tomlin guy. I'm a Steelers guy, but I'm going to take – Denver to cover in this game. Denver, sneaky good defense. Teddy Bridgewater putting him work. Give me Denver. Is is uh, Teddy Bridgewater playing in this game? That's is what it, I was just pointing to Luke. Right up on the street, Teddy Bridgewater will play today oh. against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Breaking Give me news. the Broncos. Awesome. Give me the Broncos. The Steelers are 10 years ago. Give me the Broncos. Bingo. Yeah, give, uh, give me the Broncos and give me Dwayne Haskins coming in at some point in this game. Woo. Next game, wow. we got the Bears traveling to play the Raiders. Bears 
giving up. No, sorry, they're taking six and a half on the road. That's a lot of points in this game. Justin Fields. I'm going to take the Bears in the points. I think the Raiders will win this football game. I like what the Raiders are doing this year. I like what Derek Carr is doing. But six and a half is a lot of points, especially for Justin Fields, who probably has a confidence boost after after picking up that starting job. Yeah, everybody's super high on the Raiders this year, and I think they win this game. But still, I feel six and a half, kind of too many points. Give me the Bears. I'm on the same thing. I'm I am taking the Bear. Or I'm sorry. I'm taking the Raiders money line, but I am gonna take the Bears with points. Khalil Mack, little revenge game, and uh, I think he's gonna do a good job pressing up uh, Darren Waller up on the coming off the tight end spot. Next game, we got the Cleveland Browns traveling to play the L.A. Chargers. L.A. favored minus one at home. Second best game of the week here behind Buffalo at Kansas City. Really looking forward to this one. Zach and I said we're Chargers guys. I'm taking them in this game to win. Cover that one-point spread. Big Chargers guy. Go Chargers. Man, this is going to be a great game, and I love Justin Herbert. Love what he's doing out there. But give me the brownies, man. I'm still ah. I'm still high in the brownies for no reason. So All give me board. I'm actually... I do love my Chargers. I do love my Chargers, but I am going with the Cleveland Browns today. I am big on Baker Mayfield. I think they're explosive. I think it's going to be a wicked shootout. Smash the over in points. It's going to be a great game. Next game, we got the New York Giants traveling to play the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys favored minus eight at home. We're going to keep this one quick. Dallas good, Giants bad. Dallas will cover. Dallas looks good. They're playing at home. Eight's a lot, but give me Dallas. Give me Dallas. That's it. That's Not all you need. That's all I need. Next game, San Fran travels to play Arizona. Arizona favored minus two and a half at home. The the, the West is just crazy, the NFC West. I'm going to take this, the 49ers to win this game outright. I think this division is just going to butcher itself apart. I like all these teams. Give me the Niners. They're taking the Niners to win outright. Crazy. I love the way the Cardinals are playing this year. Give me Arizona. I'm also going to be smashing the Cardinals. I think I just read no George Kittle tonight, no Trey Ooh, Lance trouble. tonight. Um, so it's going to be Jimmy G throwing the ball to Strictly Debo. I'm smashing Arizona outright and covering. Next game, we got a good one. Bill is traveling to play the Chiefs. Kansas City favorite, minus three and a half at home. This is a get-right game for Kansas City. They're going to cover a minus get right three and a game. half. get-right game? Unreal. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it's a they're going to – everyone likes to dog them in the national media after some turbulence so far this season. They're going to they're gonna win against the Bills. They're going to cover that spread. This is a great game. I can't wait to watch it. Kansas City might pull this one out, but give me the Bills. I'm going to smash Kansas City. This is another one not touching because it could really go either way. Again, hammer the over on it, but Kansas City will win this game. Next game, we got the Colts traveling to play the Ravens. The Ravens favored minus six and a half at home. Way, way too many points. I don't understand. I know it's on the road at Baltimore, but plus six and a half. Uh, That's way too many points. I'm going to take the Colts in the points. I'm a big Frank Wright guy, big Carson Wentz guy. I think, I think this is another sneaky good game on the schedule this week. Give me the Colts. I think this is kind of a, a sneaky line. Colts can play it tight, but give me the Ravens here. I think they win by a touchdown. All right. I'm going to go here. Defense, defense, defense. Give me the Colts outright. Ooh. Last pick of the day. Here we go. Lions traveling to play the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings favored minus eight at home. Give me the Vikings to cover that eight-point spread. I don't think... <laughs> But the Lions, the Lions do not have a prayer in this game on the road. Like we said, the Vikings have something to prove. I'm going to take them to cover that spread easily. Let me hear you say it, boys. Skull Vikes. Skull, skull Vikes, indeed. Right. This is a painful, painful moment. This is the thing. No Delvin Cook. 
right, with Delvin Cook, I'm smashing that. I'd probably smash Vikings by 15 if he was there. No Delvin Cook. I'm still going to take the Vikings. They're going to win the game no matter what. I don't know if they're going to cover the 8. They might only cover by 7, but the Vikings will be winning this game. A fantastic addition to the Green and White Report. Rivalry week. Wow, I butchered that word. Rivalry week here on the Green and White Report. We'll see how this transpires. We're going to rush out of the studio here to get back to our TV sets to watch this game. But thank you for listening. As always, tell a friend about the show. If you missed any of the show, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Impact89FM.org, Amazon, or wherever you find your podcast. We will be back next week for another edition of the Green and White Report. But for Trent, excuse me, not Trent, for Zach Slowick, Luke Sloan, Henry Menegos, have a good Sunday. Have a good football Sunday. Thank you for listening. been listening to the green and white report on wdbm for all your sports news and notes go to impact 89fm.org sports